One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies. So we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you Ritual for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. We're still enjoying our birthday and hearing from listeners all over the world. Today, we're responding to listener feedback and asking whether it's worth talking politics with your family. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. New shouting, new insults, plenty of nuance. It's our birthday week still, so if you want to give us presents, I've previously mentioned that I love presents. They can come in the form of an iTunes review, a follow on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or you can visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com and become a supporter of the show. We have a new all-star subscriber, Ashley. Thank you so much, Ashley, and an incredibly generous contribution from Kristen. So thank you guys so much for all the awesome support and reviews. Sarah, how are you feeling today? I mean, I'm good. I'm sort of breaking up with Nate Silver. Like, I'm just, I'm like a little, um, he's just being so careful. And we've just built this relationship in which I go to Nate Silver and he makes me feel better. And he is really not holding up his end of the relationship. And so I've broken up with him and moved on to the block, to the podcasters at uh, keeping it 1600, John Fabro and the other guys from Obama's team. And also the New York times statistic guy who still has her like 86% more likely to win. So that's just where I'm at right now. Like if you are not holding up into their bargain, then we're just going to break up for a little while. Do you have legitimate concerns about this? I mean, I just want, it's like my friend Laura says, like, I want a landslide, but we don't need a landslide. But I just, 
I mean, I guess not. I don't know. Anything could happen. No, no. I don't think that America will elect Donald Trump. No. I think that we're just, people are coming home and, you know, we're going to be, it's going to be a reasonable, her, you know, her lead has been between four and seven points and it's probably just getting back to the reasonable margin of her lead, but I don't know. I got to stop reading all this poll stuff. I think this expression about Republicans coming home is so interesting And I can't decide if I find it insulting, if I really get it. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm listening to it with this very sharp ear every day, because I think, what does that mean to me as a Republican when I'm being told to come home? What does that mean to me? And I get that there's an element of it's becoming real now. Like we're having, as Republicans, we're having to reckon with the fact that we're probably going to have Hillary Clinton as president. We think that is preferable to Donald Trump, but we still hate it. And and so I I understand, especially when you think about the down ballot, this sense of like, come on, y'all, like, let's not go crazy here. But it seems like a really measured way to try to convince people that everything Donald Trump has done for the past year and a half isn't frightening. Well, I should also say that I did not cry, at least election related today. I went to, I had plenty of real uh, life things to cry about. I went to the funeral of a very wonderful man and um, a, a like service of reflection from our race unity group. So I cried, but not about anything patriotic or Hillary related today. I, I guess that's progress. <laughs> so I had a question for you before we started recording. You said you, we mentioned something about Twitter about um, Benghazi something uh, ambassador. And I said, I made a remonstrance, and you said, you left out a very heavy sigh and you said, I don't want a Hillary fight. And I don't know what that means. And I don't know um, what you would like me to say when something comes up about Hillary. (laughs) Well, what I don't want is to have unproductive conversations about Hillary Clinton. And I do feel like, Often we have unproductive conversations about Hillary Clinton because I I look and, you know, we got a a very negative iTunes review today about the fact that neither of us go at her very hard. And I was thinking about this because I, I do have very harsh criticisms of Hillary Clinton. I don't enjoy or find it useful to express those One, I never want to overstate things because I think that part of our political culture disintegrating is that we overstate everything. I posted what I thought was a really well done article from National Review on our social media today where they talked about how uh, in trying to characterize Donald Trump as the worst of the worst, you realize that Democrats have sort of run out of awful things to say about Republicans. And it points out that a lot of what President Obama said yesterday in North Carolina about Donald Trump, he said about Mitt Romney. And now it's like Mitt Romney is a statesman because he lost um, and and Donald Trump is truly terrible. But all those things have been said. So I don't want to do that about Hillary Clinton. I don't want to resort to language that is so extreme that it renders things that really are very extreme meaningless. The other thing, though, is like, I just know where you are on this. And I and it, I think we can still have some discussions. But like, what is what is the point of a really tense exchange at this moment. And I think that's 
you know, some of it for me is my energy level. But you don't want to hear me talk about Hillary Clinton and WikiLeaks emails and Benghazi and a lot of our listeners don't either. And and I, if we do, I won't go far enough for the people who, who want to hear her be criticized. And I'll go too far for the people who don't. And so there's, a, to me, the interesting questions now are, how do we move forward, given that this is where we're going to be? Well, and I think that that, you know, that's sort of what I said, you know, what, what are we talking about at this point when we engage with and people if we engage with people about politics? Like I did have a very good conversation with my stepfather recently when we were talking about this stuff, but it wasn't really a sort of a Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump debate. And I just really don't know what people want me to say about Hillary. Like, I guess at this point, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the answer people are looking for. Like what, you know, Hillary Clinton is a flawed human being. She is also the most over-examined presidential candidate, perhaps, we've ever said. Like, all these things are true simultaneously. And it's just like I'm kind of at the point where, like, if people criticize her or point out something, like, I just I just want to be like, well, what do you want? What do you want her to do? Like, do you want her to divorce Bill Clinton? Do you want her to um, come out and say everything, you know, I was wrong about this? you know, four days before the election. Like, I don't, that's, it's just a weird space to be in when you support a candidate as passionately as I do. Cause I don't want to give the impression that I think Hillary Clinton is superhuman or, you know, not flawed. I hope, you know, she's, of course she's flawed, <laughs> you know, but I, yeah, I just don't, I don't know what people want me to say at this point, I guess is where I'm at. Like, I don't want to defend her and sound like I bury my head in the sand. But at a certain point, like, but I also feel like we, you know, Vox has been doing a ton of stuff on, like, they're really pushing hard. This idea of, like, no one is, again, we're still, we've lost track of how serious Donald Trump, what a serious threat he is. And, you know, I don't really think that that is because, I don't, I don't know if I buy the argument that we were saying the same things about Mitt Romney. I, I think there's some truth to that, but I also think there's truth that um, the, the truth in that is that Donald Trump didn't spring forth full formed and that the leadership of the Republican Party holds responsibility for his candidacy because of some decisions that were probably being criticized when they Mitt Romney was running for president. So um, policy positions and um, campaigning approaches. But anyway, back. Yeah, I don't and I don't really know what any of us are talking about. You know, I, I guess we'd also just need to, you know, be with our people and either sweat the results or when I, mean, I think it would be a productive exercise to think about what we do next. And I, while I love the idea of reconciliation, I mean, I was at a race unity group just before this, like, I don't know. I do not know what we can do at this point about people who think Hillary Clinton is the devil and smells of sulfur. I mean, what do you do when people are literally saying things like that? Well, I think that's why it's important to have conversations. When you say, what do you want from me? I mean, I, I think I don't, I don't need anything from you on this topic, but we all just are where we are. I do feel strongly that some acknowledgement of legitimate concerns and legitimate patterns and 
and legitimate fears about the kinds of people she'll surround herself with in office would be nice because there are things in Hillary Clinton's past that seem to also be in her present that could carry into the future. And so we can all say she is the superior choice of these choices. But let's go into this and have learned some things and not repeat those mistakes. That would be helpful, I think. Because the problem is, I don't think Hillary Clinton is the devil. And I think that should be clear to anybody who listens to our podcast. But when the immediate response to criticism of Hillary Clinton, or even what you just said about Mitt Romney and the Republican leadership bearing responsibility for Donald Trump because of things that happened in the Romney campaign. I mean, that is a really kind of harsh way to take this. And so we can't, I think there can't be reconciliation if the camps are, look, Hillary Clinton is flawed, but we're not going to talk about it because Donald Trump is so awful. And because She's still great. And on the Republican side, Donald Trump is so awful. And y'all have been cruising toward this awfulness for years and years and years. And what are we going to do now? Like, I don't know how, where is the reconciliation when those are the only conversations that are happening? So with an eye toward going forward, I think we all have to say, look, either we're going to litigate the past until the cows come home. Or we're all going to say in the future, how do we have legitimate, respected opposition to anyone's perspective? Because we need that. We need legitimate. I mean, I was thinking our listener, Rachel, sent us a tweet today, and she always kind of comes out of the blue at us with like really specific questions. And I love that about her because it it keeps my mind going in a lot of directions. But she was asking about the bill that just came to the House floor from the Judiciary Committee that changes the standard of review on administrative law decisions. So asking courts, instead of deferring to administrative agencies' interpretations of rules, to take a fresh look to apply a de novo standard of review. And I thought that should not be a partisan issue, right? Like that is that is the kind of issue where uh, reasonable liberal minds could differ, on what the judicial standard of review should be. And reasonable conservative minds could differ. I mean, the the Chevron doctrine, which is at issue in that case, is really built on what should be sort of a conservative interpretation that administrative agencies are a politically accountable branch of government. And so courts, which are not politically accountable, should defer to those agencies' interpretations. But because the way our government is functioning now, conservatives are saying no courts should take a fresh look because administrative agencies have run amok. And so that's like, that is the kind of issue that to me points out the importance of getting back to having serious conversations about governance. And I hope that we are all able to do that. My fear as a conservative right now is that there is so little respect for anyone who's ever touched the Republican Party from the Democratic side, that that we're not going to be able to come back to a healthy place. Because when I feel myself reacting, and I have not once ever considered voting for Donald Trump, I know that the the language is getting to a point where it, it's going to be hard for all of us to bounce back from this election. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. 
The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi-connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things. Big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Pantsuit. What do you think that uh, responsibility, what, what responsibility should the Republican Party take for Donald Trump? I don't know how to answer that. I think that it's it's sort of like asking what responsibility should the Democratic Party take for Hillary Clinton. I mean, I, I don't hold the Democratic Party responsible for any of the things that I see as problematic about Hillary Clinton. I think that the Tea Party constituency really started to change the Republican Party. I think that the... Um, a very small subset of the community of faith really started to change the Republican Party um, in ways that 
created so much fracturing among the coalition that that voted Republican that it's hard to grapple with. And I do think there has been a failure of leadership in the Republican Party over the past few years. I think it's very, very problematic that we had this public autopsy process to say, how should the party be positioning itself in the future? And instead of working in that direction, everybody said, well, that was interesting. Let's keep doing what we do. Um, so, so are there problems in the Republican Party? Absolutely. A part of the problem stems from the fact that it maybe was too big of a tent. You know, maybe there are too many people with too many different ideological persuasions sharing space. I know that my views don't at all resemble the, rev- the views of lots of Republicans. So there are issues for sure. But to tag all of us who believe things that really have no connection to what Donald Trump believes at all. Like I've said before, even if you erase everything about Donald Trump that that many of us think is dangerous or racist or misogynist or fill in the blank, I still don't have a candidate in Donald Trump because he wants to drastically expand the reach of the federal government. So when I hear what responsibility do Republicans have for Donald Trump, I think, well, there are a lot of Republicans who have no responsibility for Donald Trump. And there are some who do. And there is an issue in our primary process that got us here. There is an issue with the current leadership of the party that got us here. But I am not willing to say, yeah, the way that I have voted for the past couple of decades gave rise to Donald Trump. I'm certainly not willing to say that Mitt Romney had anything to do with Donald Trump. I mean, I think that... I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been thinking about I'd like to read more about reconciliation processes that have happened in other countries. I think that for better or for worse, and I'm not defending um, the entirety of anger and frustration um, that many, many Democrats feel towards the Republican Party. But, you know, I think that the Republican leadership made, it wasn't, I mean, it was strategic. It was, we will feed the Tea Party, we will use the Tea Party to our advantage, and we will use racist birther movements, and we will sit idly by while people scream at the president during the State of the Union, you're a liar, and all these really incredibly disrespectful things, and I just... And, you know, we talked about this before, Mitch McConnell standing up and saying, my only job is to make sure he doesn't get anything accomplished. And I just don't know how a party, how I think that there's a huge population of people, you know, and my friend said to me the other day, I wouldn't vote for my own mother if she was a Republican. Now, my friend is gay. And for her, this is, it's a deal breaker and it's a deal breaker until she dies. And for people who heard Donald Trump say things of awful things about racists and see all this alt-right stuff. And isn't it's really unfair. It's unfair to people like you, like you said, that I shouldn't be held responsible because I voted Republican for all these awful things. But I just think that there's this huge population of people who feel assaulted to the very core of who they are, um, be it gay, be it black, be it female, um, by 
subsets of the Republican Party or the Republican leadership or choices. And I don't know how you get people to move past that. And I, maybe there's a way. I, I, sure, South Africa dealt with some really intense things. But it's like I see these people's hurt. And I have even I mean, I said at a group of liberal women in Paducah. I went there. I love them. And I said, like, you know, I believe in a loyal opposition. I do this twice a week. I think there's something to be found here. But they're just so hurt and so angry. And so they feel assaulted to their core. You know, I was listening to NPR and they were talking about, you know, the this reporter was they were talking particularly about African-American voters. And this woman said she hears over and over again, like. African-Americans feel like if Trump wins, it will go back to like Jim Crow, like you know, stay polite and stay out of the way is the only way you'll be able to survive. Like, how do you get people past that? How do you get people past that to trust in a party again? It's not like parties don't flip. I mean, if you're talking about African-American voters and the Democrats, like it can happen. But oof, I think it might take a while. Well, you certainly don't get people past it by feeding that all the time, which is part of what I feel coming from the Democratic Party, that everything in conservative ideology must be racist or sexist or homophobic or xenophobic. Like when we are talking about policy differences that have nothing to do with keeping people from marrying or discrimination, there are a whole set of policies that Republicans have supported that I do not support. And we've talked at length about those on the show, and we'll continue to do that. But when you are looking at the entirety of the conservative position as representing things that are being labeled with an ism, that is not how you bring people back together. And I I do think that the Democratic Party has exploited the problems in the Republican Party and, and don't give us an opportunity to be a principled opposition. Now, look, this is not an I'm not absolving or even trying to defend the Republican Party. I've talked a lot about how I, I don't know whether this is a party that I still belong in, because if it is the party of Trump, it's not my party like that. But but I feel right now like there is such an assault on anyone who dares to disagree with Hillary Clinton or who dares to not label themselves a Democrat. I feel right now like the tone from Democrats is that if every state doesn't go blue and any person who doesn't vote for Hillary Clinton must fall into this basket of deplorables. And that is not a recipe to move forward. You know, I so we, we took this criticism from an iTunes listener because I don't go after Hillary Clinton hard enough. I exercise restraint in my comments for a reason. It's because I do want to hear from people who disagree with me. I just would like some of that back from the other side. You know what I mean? I mean, I do know how you mean, because that's how I felt for eight years when George Bush was president. It's exactly how I I know exactly how you feel, because it's how I felt when a Republican told me on the streets of Washington, D.C., after she met me 10 minutes before that I hated America because I opposed the war on terror. I understand that, you know, like this great phrase that this American life, this uh, it was a libertarian guy from the Cato Institute, and he was talking about um, how the immigration numbers do not support any of the immigration narrative that has become sort of a driving force behind the Republican Party. This is a libertarian. And he said, you know, I go to these 
conservative gatherings and I say immigrants don't drive up the crime rate and immigrants help the economy and I am booed out of the room. I'm accused of being a secret socialist liberal. And he's like, and he said, I call it patriotically correct. If you don't fit the narrative, if you don't support the narrative that liberals are trying to destroy America, then you are patriotically incorrect and you don't love America and you just want to destroy our country. And so, yeah, I do know. I mean, I had somebody on Facebook too. I told you on two days ago, tell me that I couldn't possibly care about the national debt or foreign policy because liberals were the exact cause of all these problems. So, I mean, I, I yeah, I know how you feel. <laughs> I can, I feel at liberals and Democrats. I mean, I think that they feel that profoundly they feel, but I think, you know, I guess where I would push back is that when you say you can shed that identity, you can shed that identity and you can say, you know, I'm not a Republican anymore, but for so many Democrats, the assault is not just on being a Democrat. It's on a part of their identity that they cannot shed. But you go right there. That, that as the, I'm just trying to explain. I hear you. But I get that. And I think you know that I get that. And because well, I'm not that talking is, about you, that, I'm talking I, about the, the royal we. <laughs> but, but, I, but, but I am, too, because it, I'm not talking about you either. But when the royal I mean, we I don't Democrats, think you would have told me I hated America. <laughs> I, I definitely would not have. So when the royal we of Democrats always take it to the place of Republicans hate everyone who's not white or male, it is impossible to bounce back from that. And I understand that Republicans have said horrific things about Democrats. And I understand that Republicans have made it sound like Democrats are um, godless and that that's the worst thing that you can be or or that they hate the country or whatever. So, listen, I, I fully get that that we have all done this to each other. But right now we're in a moment where at least Democrats have the entirety of the media and the entirety of Hollywood, it is cool to be a Democrat now, right? It is, um, it's more socially acceptable to be a Democrat in academia, in all kinds of fields, than it is to be a Republican. And so I just think we all have to have a little bit of compassion for the other side. And that gets to this question that that Liz asked us today by email about whether it's even worth having these conversations with family members. I think that's the only way to do this, right? Because Mm -hmm. if we can't talk to people where we know there's a baseline of relationship and love and support about these issues, how are we ever to get there with strangers? Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. 
Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Well, and I, I also think what we're taught truly... Truly, the war we need to reconcile from is the culture wars, and that's this is where the this is where the greatest damage was done, and it's sort of what I'm talking about. And the culture wars have um, sort of been hidden beneath the language of party, but I mean, I, I don't I think that's what it is so much about is shifting, you know, sort of the pluralist direction of our nation that many, many people don't like. And I mean, I had a a really good conversation with my stepfather and, you know, we had, we, I felt like we got somewhere. I feel like it was positive. And, you know, I told him like, I know that this is hard. I know it's hard to constantly think about what you're saying and who you're saying it to. And you don't get to just, you know, ride through on this benefit of the doubt that you're have good intentions anymore, but it, like it had just there's we can't go backwards. This is the way it has to be, and it's worth it in the end. And it's a positive movement for our culture. But I mean, he looked at me at one point. And he was like, "It's hard. I don't want." I he's basically, like, "I don't want to do that. Like I don't. It's hard. I don't want to do it." And I think that 
that's, you know, stretching your, you know, stretching and pushing and thinking about, you know, reshaping everything you've ever thought about homosexuality because your son came out of the closet and rethinking everything you thought about grace because or race because your child married a member of the opposite race and now you have grandchildren and I mean I think all this stuff this stuff is happening at such a rapid clip in our society and it's really really hard and I really believe what I mentioned yesterday about the Krista Tibbet thing that we're putting all the pressure on politics to have these conversations about our changing culture and our changing language and our changing values at the same time that all these other community institutions that could really help us and give us the framework with which to do this are crumbling, you know, church used to be a good place where you could practice being disagreeing with people, but people don't go to church anymore. <laughs> and we had civic institutions where you had to be on boards and, you know, I'm trying not to fall straight into everybody should move to Paducah, but like I have to learn a lot to get around, get away get along with people that are different than me at the same time everybody else seems to be going in the direction I want to live around people that are just like me or you know increasing number of people just live alone and I don't like if we don't have these institutions and these cultural uh, ways to to practice working together and getting along and being a community like I wonder if this is what we're seeing and we can put it in the basket of politics if we want but I think it's something much bigger than that and I think that's why people like J.D. Vance and Hillbilly Elegy have tapped on something because it is a, it's more than that. It's way more than that. It's absolutely more than that. And that, again, is why I think the conversations have to happen within our families. But the other thing I want to say about that, just as like an asterisk, though, is that there's a whole aspect of conservatism that feels all the same ways that you do about culture. Right. That mm-hmm. I mean, I, that we don't disagree very often on anything having to do with social issues with immigration or with the rights that are afforded to people of, um, you know, different identities. Because that to, that to me is not what conservatism is about. And I think that that's what really gets to me always being um, labeled with with people for whom that is the big issue. And, and that's why, you know, maybe a split in the Republican Party yeah. is the right way to go. That's what I was about to ask. Like, when is yeah. it like you just got to go forget it? Yeah, I, I don't know the answer You're to You're more patient than me. I would have jumped ship a long time ago. Well, here's why I haven't. Because how do you change it if you can't vote in primaries? Ugh. You know, how do I get a different kind of candidate if I change my registration and I can't vote for that kind of candidate? You know what I mean? So that's part of it. But the the thing that I wanted to say about, like, having these – I had sort of a realization today about having these discussions within our families – um, I love St. Francis of Assisi's prayer, and I was thinking about it today. And the We read it at our race thing tonight. Oh, did you? I just love it. And I love Sarah McLaughlin's version of it. Um, but anyway, I was thinking about how, you know, it says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace where there is hatred. Let me so love. And I, I got fixated on that verb, so, because like of all the words that could be used, I think that's exactly the right one when you're thinking about reconciliation, because it doesn't say, and this is what I feel is happening in some ways right now. It doesn't say where there is hatred, let me rip it out of the ground by the roots and burn it and chastise it and then dump on top of it my version of love, right? 
And I think if we want to have these discussions with our family members and with our neighbors, sewing is the right way to do it. You know what I mean? Like, can you enter the conversation with the intention of just leaving behind a trace of something different that people can consider and that can eventually take root and grow. And I get how frustrating hearing that has to be for people who, as you said, feel to their core threatened right now or insulted or, you know, beaten down. I I do think that is the path toward reconciliation, that, that you have to give it time and space and more kindness than it deserves sometimes. Well, I think that is an excellent note to end on. Well, we will be back again tomorrow, again, again, again. (laughs) 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 And uh, it'll be very interesting to see what develops in this final weekend before the election. Thank you, as Sarah noted, for the iTunes reviews the social media interactions and supporting our show. And until tomorrow's episode, keep anyone still. Bye.